Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. It is week seven. It is the early slate. We want to go ahead and apologize. We are a little bit late today. Ran into a few technical difficulties, but we are here now, and we are ready to rock and roll with a fantastic slate. We got a lot of weeknight action that we're going to discuss. That is where we have found the most value this week, but we do have some big games and some value on Saturday as well. We'll talk about the late games on Thursday. Going to talk about the early slate today. So uh, let's go ahead and introduce our experts here. On the left, Parker Fleming, our numerical guru, as I like to call him. I say it different every week, but he's our stats guy, our analyst. You can find him on Twitter, at Stats of War. And on the right, our award-winning, distinguished, professional handicapper, Kyle Hunter. Uh, you can find him at Kyle Hunter Picks on Twitter. Uh, gentlemen, I, I hope everybody's feeling well, Parker. You, uh, you doing well? It was a winning week last week. I'm doing great. Five and three. I told y'all we're turning the ship around, man. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good about this slate of games this weekend, too. Uh, you got that right. And Kyle, of course, another monster weekend uh, did well as well. We all had winning weeks last week, so that's always a good thing. But uh, but four and one for you was a monster weekend, huh? Yeah, great weekend and uh, amazing weekend of college football, guys. Like it's it's hard to remember a Saturday that was ex as exciting as that. I know Parker loved the end of that Oklahoma game. I was rooting for Parker there in that one. And Gary, I really enjoyed the end of that New Mexico State game at like 2.15 in the morning on, yes. on the East Coast. So <laughs> we had some good finishes. We, we've had some bad breaks earlier this year, so we'll take the good ones as they come as well. You got that right. Staying up from, from the beginning of Red River all the way through, what, 2.15 Eastern when New Mexico State finally got that cover for us against Nevada. Uh, felt pretty good. Felt pretty good. So let's go ahead. Uh, remind you guys, you need to sign up at BetUS, where the game begins, BetUS.com. Use the promo code NCAAF2021. You get 125% deposit bonus, sign-up bonus, whatever you want to call it. It's up to $2,500, and it is sportsbook exclusive. I can't stress enough how great of a deal this is. Make sure and take advantage of it while you can. There is a link in the description. You can click that link, and it's going to automatically put that promo code in there for you. We try and make it easy for you around here. So go ahead and check that thing out. Sign up at BetUS, where the game begins. I uh, want to go ahead and remind you, like the page, like the channel, like the video. That's the one that you actually like. And subscribe to the channel. Do us that favor. Hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. On Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern time, we go live and we talk about the early slate of games. And on Thursdays, we go live at 12 p.m. Eastern time and talk about the late slate of games. It's always archived. You can go back and watch but it's a lot more fun when you guys are involved in the chat. We have Steven, Secret Machines, Louise, et cetera, already in there. So go ahead and jump into the chat. Let us know what you want to hear about. We do a Q&A at the end of the show. And any games that we don't hit, we will absolutely try our best to give you an opinion on them, what we think about it, why we didn't find value in it, enough to talk about it on the show, of course. But yes, go ahead and, uh, and jump into the chat. We would appreciate that. So let's go to a recap of our picks thus far on the season and last week of course a big time winning week felt good about that uh i went four and three i went four and one parker went five and three so overall here out of 44 picks i am sitting at 23 19 and two. Oh, i have not told this i'm gary i'm your host you can follow me on twitter at gary wce either way kyle just rocking it right now 32 picks he is 20 and 12 on the season and parker is getting right, 54 picks. He's 24, 28, and two. We are moving in the right direction, y'all. 67, 59, and four 
on the year that is profitable, that is good. I'm feeling all right considering we now have a bunch of good data to build on with the, uh, the, the back half of the schedule. So I am definitely feeling it right now. Let's go ahead and move into game number one, and it is a Thursday night tilt here, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. We have got Georgia Southern heading to South Alabama, and South Alabama is a three-point favorite at home, juiced at minus 115, total of 50 here. This is uh, an interesting ball game. I have liked South Alabama a lot this year. This one kind of scares me. This one kind of scares me a little bit. Uh, Georgia Southern won this game 24 to 17 last year. Georgia Southern six and one against the spread all time against South Alabama. They are seven and zero straight up. At South Alabama only allowing 3.43 yards per rush. That's not too bad. It's the number three rushing defense in the Sun Belt. Georgia Southern number nine out of ten in the Sun Belt total yards per play defense. Uh, I, I got a uh, Parker. I know you're going to talk about the EPA per play here. Um, the the margin is pretty good for South Alabama. I, you know what, Kyle, I want to go to you first. I want to go and I want to get your thoughts because this is the, uh, one of the early games on Thursday night, South Alabama has looked, their numbers are better than what the games have turned out looking like, right? There is something weird with this team. I don't know how to explain it. I, I thought with Jake Bentley coming in there as the, as the transfer quarterback, that this team would look a lot better. And Kane Womack, the new head coach has definitely got the defense playing well. I don't know what to make of this team. Kyle, what what are your thoughts on, on South Alabama and Georgia Southern? Yeah, that's the thing, Gary, is the, the defense has been tremendous. So um, nothing against them, certainly. The offense has not been what we thought they could be. Jalen Tolbert, a really big playmaker, um, still a guy that's averaging 21 yards per catch. So uh, deep, deep ball type guy. I don't think Georgia Southern has anybody who can defend him very well. So I do think South Alabama has some potential in the passing game here. The thing that makes me like South Alabama a bit here is they rank first in the nation in defense rushing success rate. What's Georgia Southern going to do? They're going to run the football constantly. Uh, pretty important against a team like Georgia Southern. We know that 68% of their plays have been run plays. The thing that does worry me a bit about this is South Bama does have a couple regression signs on defense. They're allowing opponents 21.2% on third down conversion rates. Look, this defense is good, but they're not that good. So. I think that regresses over time. Opponents have scored on only 10 out of 18 trips into the red zone. Eileen South Bama here. I don't love this one. I'm going to stay off of it. I will say Georgia Southern played a close contest against Troy last weekend. Um, I think they might be getting a bit of credit in the marketplace from that. But, Gary, we've talked about this before. I don't think Troy is very good. You know, Chip Lindsay's not done a very good job with that program. So Eileen towards South Alabama here, but I can't pull the trigger. I'm I'm kind of with you in this spot. Uh, Georgia Southern has looked a little bit better since firing their coach, Chad Lunsford, uh, for whatever reason. Typically, in my head, that would mean that the team would not play as well going forward. But sometimes you get a new voice. Guys are uh, rejuvenated. Who knows? Uh, Parker, let's go ahead and get you in here. The the EPA per play margin, again, pretty incredible for South Alabama. Uh, give me Give me your thoughts on this game. I love this EPA play margin because I think it's hilarious for South Alabama. So they're 20th in EPA margin. They're only 40th on offense. But again, Gary, remember we talk about, um, you know, if you have a difference between EPA and success rate, that kind of tells you something about how explosive you are. And so on offense, uh, South Alabama is the 39th best EPA per pass offense, 0.145. 
On offensive success rate, they're 83rd at 37.5. It is a home run or a strikeout. This is three three true outcomes football here uh, for for South Alabama. I love this matchup with Georgia Southern because Georgia Southern's defense, 98th in EPA per pass, and they are 99th in passing success rate. So their their secondary is just depleted. And so South Alabama and Jake Bentley are going to have a lot of leeway to kind of get things going, free up Jalen Tolbert, or counterpunch if Georgia Southern overcommits and tries to uh, uh, stop Jalen Tolbert. Another stat I like here, um, in, in terms of Georgia Southern being able to keep pace with U, uh, USA's offense, if you look at points per scoring opportunity, uh, Georgia Southern is 34th in the nation, 4.73, but South Alabama is second in the nation, only allowing 2.14. So there's some serious asymmetry in in kind of this red zone close defense. And I think that really, that plus the passing really keys me in to uh, South Alabama here. I do like that Jalen Tolbert has gotten uh, a little bit better the last couple of games. Guys, he hadn't had a touchdown until last week. That's the fourth, fifth game of the season. And so they have not been able to get him going, but they found in the last couple of weeks, uh, 11 receptions, 20.6 yards per, and his first TD. Um, I don't think this Georgia Southern pass defense is very good at all. I don't think the rush game is going to matter very much. I'm leading South Alabama in a big night for Jalen Tolbert and his draft stock. I can totally understand that. It, it is amazing that he just scored his first touchdown last week and he was still averaging, what, nearly 20 yards per reception. They just couldn't get him into the end zone for whatever reason. But they also have not scored a lot of points. So it, I guess they get down close and, and try and punch it in one way or another. But, uh, but yeah, I would imagine, you know, with this secondary, you ought to be able to have some success there. Uh, so let's move to the official pick here. And Parker is the one that is going to ride on this one. He is taking South Alabama minus the three. And and I, I can't disagree with it. I can't dis- This team uh, seems better than I thought they would be in the preseason. And and I am all for it, all for it. So that moves us into our next Thursday night game. And this one starts at the exact same time, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Navy traveling to Memphis. Memphis, a 10.5-point favorite at home, total of 55.5. Guys, Memphis won this game last year 10-7. to 10-7. <laughs> there was no scoring going on. Uh, Navy is 5-1 and one against the spread, their last six against Memphis. If you look at the overall season analytics, this line absolutely makes sense. But if you just take the last three games for both teams, it is much, much closer than you would assume, especially with the 10.5-point line here. Uh, the full season points per play margin, Navy is minus .251, Memphis is .054, but just in the last three games, Navy negative 0.095 Memphis negative 0.047 so the last three games for both teams they look very very similar they they are both able to compete with teams Navy their quarterback shift is massive here uh the kid's name Ty Lavatai I had to go back and actually watch clips to make sure that I got that name right but he has been phenomenal running this offense since they switched to him after the bye week I'm I'm a big fan of this so, uh, Parker, let me let me get you in here first. Memphis on a three-game losing streak. Ever since they beat Memphis, is this the the football gods coming back? Is this a ball don't lie kind of thing? Like, what are what are we looking at with with Memphis in their three-game losing streak? Well, as as much uh, you know, 
love that I have in my uh, for for the Tigers in my heart. That that Mississippi State uh, that Mississippi State play got me got me bad on my killing my record there. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I like I like Navy in this one. I think Memphis is really struggling in some key areas, but there are a couple things that just kind of scared me off this line because. Um, Memphis shouldn't beat Navy by 10 and a half point. They shouldn't, they shouldn't do this. Right. So I, I, I but, uh, if you look at a couple of things that, 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 uh, make me a little nervous, Memphis's pass offense, 14th in EPA per play at 0.286 Navy's pass defense, 61st in EPA per play 0.044. Uh, if you look at late down success, so like third down success, um, Memphis is 20th, 49.38% conversion on late downs. Navy's defense, 62nd, 41.94. So there's some mismatches here where I could absolutely see a path for Memphis's talent advantage and their explosive ceiling on uh, offense in the pass to, to make this game look maybe a lot bigger, uh, a lot worse than it actually was. And so you're right, Memphis has been down and they've, they've, they've had some bad breaks. They're 13th in offensive EPA. And so this offense can still score. And, and, and so just because the potential is there, I feel like Memphis is a little bit, you know, hold me back, hold me back. But um, I, I really think they have the, the pieces in place here to be able to have a very robust passing offense against Navy. And that just makes me a little bit nervous, even though I feel like Navy is scrappy and they're going to muck this game up and it's going to be slow. Navy uh, 128th in early down rush rate uh, on 85.1%. So I, I like I like Navy. I'm leaning towards Navy, but I'm scared off of this just because Memphis has that explosive pass potential. And I don't think they're as bad as the last three weeks has kind of shown us. I, I do agree with you a little bit here. I will go in and, and toss this number out there. Memphis is two and eight against the spread their last 10 against the AAC. Along with that, remember this game is on a Thursday night. Memphis had a late night on Saturday played at Tulsa. Uh, by the way, way off topic. The, the Navy flea flicker pass that they threw for a touchdown against SMU was a thing of absolute beauty. Absolute beauty. All right, back on topic. Tra trying to uh, prepare for the triple option on a short week. And Memphis defenses have always had issues with the triple option. Kyle, let me bring you in here. The short week thing does make me feel pretty good about Navy here. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, Gary, I have to start by saying, uh, you probably saw me smiling a little bit when you started talking because we both have notes before this. And like, I was like, did we basically have the exact same notes here? Because <laughs> what I started with is if you look at year to date statistics, it makes sense for this line to be what it is. If you look at recent form, the line makes no sense. So I, I like that we think alike on this one. Navy is clearly playing better here recently. They had the coaching change on offense, the quarterback change. Uh, recently, you know, look at their results. 28-20 loss to Houston. Houston's been pretty good. Um, they led a lot of that game too. 34-30 win over UCF. Obviously no Dylan Gabriel, but still good performance. 31-24 loss to a good SMU team. Really pretty good performances from Navy here of late. Memphis has played the 101st ranked strength of schedule, according to Sagarin, Navy's 30th. So the numbers are, are certainly skewed if you don't account for strength of schedule. The other thing that really stands out to me, Navy has scored a touchdown on only five out of 15 trips into the red zone. And these triple option teams are usually really good in the red zone. So you would certainly think that they will improve there. That's actually second worst as far as touchdown percentage of any team in the country. I think this will positively regress over time. Memphis, 81st in the nation in yards per play allowed, despite playing some pretty weak opponents on average here. Uh, the Tigers were 
extremely fortunate to, to beat Mississippi State, as we've talked about. They lost at home against UTSA, and then the Temple game, not a good showing. The recent matchups between these two teams, too, Gary alluded to the fact that last year, 10-7, Navy outgained Memphis. Two years ago, Memphis was outgained. You know, this is a game where Memphis has not matched up very well against them in the past. This is a weaker Memphis team than they've been the last couple of years, no doubt about that. Navy at the beginning of the year looked very bad. Here recently playing much better. I think 10 and a half points is too many in a matchup like this. I tend to agree. That's going to move us to the official picks here. And Kyle, you and I both agree Navy plus 10 and a half is the official play for us. Uh, Parker leans that way, a little scared off, and I can totally understand it because there is that explosive capability by that Memphis offense. But for whatever reason, it has not shown its head in this game in the past for whatever reason. So we will both ride with the cadets here. I, I like Navy. I like Navy a lot. So we're riding the 10 and a half. I, I feel like sometimes people forget that teams can improve over the season, right? What what you saw in game one and game two from Navy, that ain't the same team. It's not the same team at all. So after that bye week, completely changed over. We'll move into game number three, and we are moving to the Friday night slate. We have got 7 p.m. Eastern time at Clemson traveling to the Carrier Dome to face off against Dino Babers in Syracuse. The Orange are a 14-point underdog, total of 45 here. Clemson won this one last year, 47-21. to 21. Syracuse, 3-1 and one against the number of the last four against Clemson. Syracuse is 7-1 and one against the spread their last eight. 5-1 uh, and one against the spread their last six at home. Clemson coming off a of bye week. I'm sure that they worked on quite a few things in the off week, but I don't know what to make of this this Clemson team as of right now. Let me let me go ahead and bring in Parker here. Syracuse has looked really good lately. Like and and I know that a lot of it is running, and that obviously goes up against the strength of that Clemson defense. But we still have some Clemson injuries on the defensive line. We still have you know some some hobbled linebackers and whatnot. I still think that Brent Venable's defense is going to be fantastic. It always is. Give me your thoughts on on the Orange and the Tigers here. Friday night at the Carrier Dome. I, w- I want to believe. I want to so badly, but the way that these teams match up just is absolutely crazy. I, I, I'll be quick here, I think, because this, this comes down to one thing for me. I don't trust Clemson's offense farther than I could throw it. DJ is in the bottom 10 of total EPA for FBS quarterbacks. Bottom 10. That's that's not, you can't schedule just your way out of the bottom 10. That is awful. They really have some offensive issues. They are 70th, uh, excuse me, they are 100 127th in EPA per play on offense for Clemson, which is just absurd. But if you flip to the other side of the ball, this is what's going to determine the game. And uh, you have Syracuse, 36th in EPA per rush. Clemson is 5th. 41st in rushing success rate. Clemson is 28th. 92nd in EPA per pass. Clemson's defense is 15th. 93rd in passing success rate. Clemson's defense is 28. So uh, the talent advantage here is huge. Syracuse's offense can only rush, and Clemson's defense has been heck on the rush all year. Um, I, I want to believe that Syracuse, given what we've seen from them, I'm impressed. We were talking about the under at the beginning of the season. I'm, I'm impressed with what they've been able to put together, but I do not believe that, uh, you know, if it was flipped the other way where Syracuse's passing was good and Clemson was relatively uh, not as good there. Maybe I could talk myself into this, but this defense is so good for Clemson. Um, 
and you get the extra preparation. I, I, I'm, I'm staying away from this because I can't trust Clemson's offense, but I don't see a path for Syracuse's uh, offense to match and keep pace. I, uh, I feel differently. <laughs> That's okay. That's what we do on this show. Uh, I, I don't like you. I don't trust Clemson to be able to score a lot. It's Syracuse's defense has actually played pretty well uh, to this point. Kyle, let me go ahead and get you in here. Get your thoughts on the Orange and the Tigers. Uh, this, I, I kind of trust Dino Babers in this spot. How uh, how do you feel about it? Yeah, it's it's hard here because Syracuse is a team that we were all low on coming into the season. I don't like betting on teams that I was so low on because it feels like, you know, you totally flip all the way around. There's no way I could lay the points here with Clemson. No chance. Um, I can't imagine laying two touchdowns with the team that offensively has been as weak as they've been. Certainly, we we expect they'll improve some, but from the Syracuse side, we have to give them a lot of credit. You know, Babers has done a good job with this team, plus 1.31 yards per play margin so far this year, 71st strength of schedule, according to Sagarin. So um, not great, but still pretty impressive, you know, especially compared to their, their win total was three and a half or something like that. So um, Clemson, 103rd in success rate on offense, Syracuse is 60th. The key for me, Clemson only has 17 plays of 20 yards or more, 118th out of 130 teams, no explosiveness, um, 115th in passing play success rate. This all kind of boils down to, I don't think Clemson's going to score very many points, so I kind of have to lean toward Syracuse plus 14. I wish we still had that hook here. I know the hook was there earlier in the week. Um, Syracuse run heavy, exactly like Parker said. I am a bit worried that Syracuse won't score very many points here either. Um, I lean to the under in this one, certainly 45's low, especially with no elements to go against, uh, and, you know, no bad weather, obviously, in a game like this. But Syracuse defense has been hyper aggressive this year. They're ninth in havoc on the front seven. Uh, typically, I would be a bit worried that Clemson could make them pay for that, but I'm not confident this Clemson team can do that. Um, opponents average starting on their 32.1 yard line against Syracuse. So the orange special teams coverage units haven't been very good. Um, I'll lean to Syracuse. I'll lean to the under in this one, but I'm just a bit scared of taking 14 points here with the talent discrepancy. I'm going to take that's a, that's a great point. And I, and I <laughs> think about this with, um, with, with, with games like this, where there is an obvious talent imbalance, special teams is going to matter so much more. And Clemson has four and, five stars playing special teams who are waiting to, you know, kind of get their spot, whereas Syracuse is going to have more of those two-star, three-star walk-on guys. And so I would expect there to be some special teams weirdness here, too, just because there's a big talent gap and who's out there on the field for special teams for both teams. That That is a very good point, Parker, and one that I I did not pay a whole lot of attention to. I don't think Syracuse has been awful on, on special teams, at least not from the games that I have watched. Uh, and it, it played a bit of a role uh, in the win over Liberty. But... You know what? I'm rolling with it. I've already got it on my sheet. I, I bet it at 14 and a half. I'm going to bet it here at 14. Uh, let's go ahead and make it an official play. I am rolling with Syracuse. I think that Garrett Schrader in that offense can find a way somehow with the offensive coordinator, Sterling Gilbert. I think they can be creative enough and come up with 14 points, something like that. So I'm looking at a 24 to 14 kind of game uh, that would lean, of course, to the under as well. I'm not going to worry about the under. Kyle knows I don't play totals. <laughs> He'll get me to do one later. But uh, but this one, I, I feel good enough that I can get, you know, 24 to 14, 24 to 13, somewhere along those lines. I feel good enough with Syracuse. I'm going to take them plus the 14 on this one. Let's move to another Friday night game. And 7 p.m. Eastern time, Marshall 
heads to North Texas. They're headed down to Denton. Uh, North Texas, an 11-point underdog at home, total of 66. So we are expecting some points in this game. These two teams have only played twice. Marshall is 0-2 against the number in both. They are 1-1 straight up. Marshall 4-2 against the spread, their last six on the road. North Texas is 2-8 against the spread, their last 10 against Conference USA at home. Um, gentlemen, what in the world has happened with, with Grant Wells? I mean, he played really well last year. He's got eight touchdowns and nine interceptions this year. Just not great at all. And it has definitely cost Marshall big time in some spots this year. Kyle, let me go ahead and, and bring you in here. I don't feel good about either of these. I, I won with Marshall early in the year. I lost on my Missouri bet last week because North Texas came back and outscored them by, what, 20-something points in the second half. I mean, just ridiculous. That was garbage time, and it bit me in that one. But it, it helped me in New Mexico State, so that definitely helps. But, Kyle, let me uh, let me get your thoughts here. Yeah, I'm going to be pretty quick on this one because I don't have any strong opinion here. I think Parker's the one that has a stronger opinion. This is a really fast-paced game, though. Marshall fourth in tempo, North Texas seventh in tempo. So we should see a lot of uh, really fast play. Neither team has been terribly efficient. So, you know, uh, you don't want to only look at tempo. Uh, if you were just looking at tempo, you'd think this was a free over. Uh, Marshall, terrible performance against Old Dominion last week. I mean, that I have Old Dominion under on the season win total, and I was really worried that they were going to pick up a win in that game. Definitely wouldn't have expected that. Um, Marshall was pretty lucky to win in overtime in that game. Does that wake them up for a big game like this? I think it's possible. Marshall certainly has better talent than does North Texas. Uh, North Texas dead last in the nation at preventing big plays. In fact, they've given up 20 plays of 30 yards or more so far this year. 20 plays of 30 yards or more in five games is really, really bad. So Marshall does throw the ball downfield a decent amount. Grant Wells used to be good at this, as Gary talked about. You know, uh, this used to be a strength of his, and all at once Grant Wells has not been very good. Um, North Texas secondary ranks 113th in QBR allowed, so I would think Wells would have a good game here. Marshall is sixth in the nation in pass rush grade at PFF, and North Texas 122nd. I don't think North Texas can do anything through the air. The question is, can they run? Lean toward Marshall. Nothing strong here. I I feel you. I feel you. Parker, the the rushing defense statistics for North Texas absolutely cracked me up because if you just look at the the and whatever, the analytics, the metrics for their rushing defense, you would think that they've got a good rushing defense. And maybe they do. The issue is that that secondary can't cover a sneeze. So they nobody has to run on them. You can move the ball effectively just through the air. Uh, give me your thoughts here. Yeah, let me let me take a quick detour. This is like Texas Tech last year. Texas Tech technically had a passing defense in the top 40 last year. And you look at, like, for instance, the Oklahoma State game, Chuba Hubbard had like a billion yards and they just absolutely <laughs> ran over them. They're like, why would we ever pass against you if we can just run over you? And so that's a little bit the situation here with North Texas. They've played well in the rush. Um, and so I, I, I agree. I discount their rushing statistics um, a lot there. I do like Marshall's offensive success rate on rushing 49.1. Not very explosive. 58th in the nation. But... Uh, I do like that constant success. And like Kyle mentioned, they do have a talent advantage. Last week, writing it off, that was awful. Nobody had fun against Old Dominion. But I do think that Marshall's rushing ability here is is going to be um, the deciding factor in the game. Rasheem Ali, 
uh, 5.4 yards per attempt, 3.8 yards after contact. And guess what? North Texas just gave up 314 rushing yards to Missouri, most of those in the second half after just getting absolutely bodied. And so I like Marshall to get back on track here. Um, I hate speculating about things like this. I say this out of concern for Grant Wells. I hope he's healthier figuring it out because you're right. He doesn't look he doesn't look right. And so I think they'll rely heavily on the run. Uh, big asymmetry here for Marshall's offense versus North Texas's defense. Early downs and first uh, and third down avoidance. So on first and second downs, uh, get, getting first downs on first and second downs, uh, Marshall is 16th in the nation. They're 35th in early downs EPA. North Texas 91st in, in first and second downs and 98th on early downs EPA. So I expect Marshall to run early and often, run successfully early and often. I think that they will have a get right game. And I do not anticipate that if they get a lead, they will have any intention of taking their foot off the gas, given what happened last week with Old Dominion. So I'm going to go ahead and take uh, take North Texas here. Uh, Marshall or, or North Texas? I said I said I said it so confidently, so wrong. I want Marshall and the points. <laughs> okay, that I'm makes per, that makes way better sense. Let's make it an official play. We'll we'll swoop in that graphic and make it look <laughs> make it look legit. Uh, we are Marshall win big. That's my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Marshall looks absolutely fantastic. I'm taking North Texas. No, we are. <laughs> Parker is the only one with an official play on this because I am terrified of Marshall right now, and I get why he's going that direction. This is the superbly more talented team. So Marshall minus 11 is the official play for Parker. We have got another Friday night game. Let me go ahead and remind everybody though, like the video, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, jump in the chat. Uh, we've got a Q and a at the end here. We've got 41 people watching and only 18 likes. So make sure that you like this video for us. And of course we have the show tomorrow. Let's go ahead, dive in the Friday night game. San Diego state heads to San Jose state. It is a 10.30 p.m. Eastern time kick. And gentlemen, San Jose State is a nine and a half point underdog. Total of 41. It does not look like Nick Starkle is going to play again this week. So I think it's going to be Nick Nash as the starting quarterback for uh, San Jose State. San Jose State won this game 28 to 17 last year. Now, San Diego State is six and two against the spread all time against San Jose State. But they are one and two in the last three games. So San Diego State, 5-0 and straight up this year, 4-1 and against the spread. They have got the number two rushing defense, the number 11 rushing offense, and they play extremely well to their identity here. San Diego State is, is number two in defensive points per drive. San Jose State's offense is number 118 in points per drive. That is a big, big discrepancy. Kyle, I want to bring you in first on this one as well. Uh, this looks like a... Massive, massive mismatch. You kind of feel the same way. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit torn on this one, guys. Uh, San Diego State's strength of schedule is 150th, according to Sager. And I worry that they haven't really played very many decent teams so far. Uh, Brennan has made it really clear he doesn't talk about injuries for San Jose State. But I assume Nash will be starting here instead of Starkville. A big special teams advantage for San Diego State, which certainly is a positive. But you are laying a decent number here with a really low total something that I don't really like to do very much. Um, San Diego State is second in the nation at preventing explosive plays, four plays of 30 yards or more. And remember, North Texas had given up 20. So San Diego State doing something right there as far as not be giving up big plays. I don't think San Jose State will score very many points here. The question is, how many will San Diego State score? I've seen San Diego State's offense really disappoint me 
um, in past seasons. You know, they're they're pretty vanilla. They don't have great quarterback play. So I'm a bit cautious to lay this many points here in this game. I wouldn't say I lean towards San Jose State, but I just totally want to stay off this one. And since I have a lot of thoughts on some of the other games, I'm going to make this pretty quick. I'll just say no strong lean on this one. I understand uh, liking San Diego State, but it's just a little bit too high for me. I can totally understand. I mean, this line was at eight, I believe, just yesterday, and it's already moved all the way up to nine and a half. It, it may get even bigger. We may hit, you know, beyond uh, double digits once we once we get on to Friday. But my goodness, uh, this is just looking at the numbers overall. That's one thing. When you look at the schedule as well, I wrote this note down. It says uh, they had their bye week after week one, and then they traveled to Honolulu and played at Hawaii. The very next week, they had to travel all the way over to Michigan to play against Western Michigan. They came back and they hosted New Mexico State, and then they just traveled to Colorado State. They played in three different time zones in four weeks. That's got to wear on your body a little bit. And now you get to come home on a short week and play against, uh, what, the number two defensive points per drive team in the country? Just absurd. Absolutely absurd. And and Brennan talked about this uh, as well in his press conference this week. Uh, Parker. You know, San Jose State, two and three straight up this year, not looking so great. Starkle has not, you know, played very often. This is not the same team that we saw in 2020. And and I wonder if San Diego State is going to be able to take advantage of this. Man, San Jose stinks. <laughs> That's about the only way I can put it, which is so disappointing because they were very fun last year. They're 98th in EPA per play margin. Their offense, 103rd in the nation. And uh, the, the key, the, this game comes down to three things for me. One, San Diego State's defense, third in EPA per play, and they are third in EPA per rush, fourth in EPA per pass. San uh, Jose State on offense, 103rd overall, 88th in the pass, 108th in the rush. Uh, I, I do not believe San Diego State is going to score uh, very much, if at all, in this game. If you also look at uh, the the defenses that San Diego State has, or San Jose State has faced, USC 110th in EPA per play, Western Michigan 111th, uh, Hawaii 71st, New Mexico State 112th, Colorado State is top 20, but we've got an opponent adjust that. Um, and, and so generally, they have not played very good defenses, and they've looked really bad. So if I opponent adjusted, they might be worse than 103rd. Uh, another kicker for me, they they are 103rd on first and second downs, uh, 74th on early downs EPA, and 95th on third and fourth down success. San Diego State is second in early downs EPA on defense, fourth and third and fourth down success. The defense for San Diego State is uh, just ferocious, and San Diego State can rush well enough to score and keep this game out of hand. So I'm going to go with uh, San Diego State here. I I tend to like it. I tend to like it. My number on this was actually uh, San Diego State minus 12. Uh, the fact that it opened at 8, now it's moving in my direction. I feel good about that as well. Uh, I'm not going to play it because he's Friday night. You know, home dogs terrify me a little bit, which is also why I went with uh, with Syracuse, but I could not bet on San Jose State. Let's make it an official play for Parker, and he is going to take the Aztecs. Minus nine and a half at San Diego State. That defense looks ferocious, and I can understand why he would roll that direction. Uh, go ahead and remind everybody, make sure and leave your picks for these games in the comment. We want to hear your opinion on the games as well. Uh, our thoughts are not the only ones that matter here. We want to hear from you. Uh, Scott already jumps in on the chat. He said SDSU all day. Yes. Uh, Trey jumped in, said SDSU minus nine and a half. Easy. Uh, that does kind of terrify me if everybody likes the same thing. But 
but in this case, it, it does make sense. It absolutely does make sense. All right, moving on. We are moving to Saturday now. We have got four more games that we're going to discuss, all in the noon window, noon Eastern time, Oklahoma State. The Cowboys traveling to the Longhorns. Texas coming off of uh, just that heartbreaking, heartbreaking Red River loss. Uh, <laughs> Texas is a five-and-a-half-point favorite uh, at home right now, total of 60. Texas did win this game last year, 41-34. to 34. Coming out of Red River, I think the biggest question that we've got here is Casey Thompson's thumb injury. He injured himself in the first half. The offense did not look the same in the second half. Now, part of that could have been Oklahoma making adjustments. The other part of that is Casey Thompson didn't exactly look right, and I did not even realize he had been hurt at all in the first half until they started talking about it this week. He shows up with bandages on, all that kind of mess. You know, he's trying to make sure everything's good. But um, I... I am so terrified of this game. And this is kind of turning into, guys, uh, exactly what I said in the preseason, which was Oklahoma State, it feels like when they are predicted to be good, they always underwhelm you. And whenever nobody has any expectations for them, they come out of the weeds and end up winning 10 games. They are undefeated thus far. They are coming off of a bye week. This is a perfect setup for them in Austin. Like it, it, Oklahoma State four and one against the spread the last five against Texas and four and two against the spread in their last six overall. Uh, this is a prime setup, I feel like. So let me let me go ahead and start with Parker on this one. I, Oklahoma State, you know, I this feels like the the perfect setup for him. Perfect setup. It it really does. And 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 looking at Texas last week and what happened to them in the second half, uh, I'm I'm actually fascinated by how this matchup works and actually really like this for Oklahoma State. Um, as for Casey Thompson's thumb injury, um, I don't want to accuse anyone of anything. I'm I'm not so sure that was as big a deal um, as they wanted it out to be. They actually passed more in the second half than they did in the first half last week. Um, and uh, it, and a big deal for them was third down conversions early in the game. In the first half, Texas was 50% against Oklahoma in third down conversion. In the second half, they were 16.7%. That's an important stat for me because then I go and look at what Oklahoma State is doing um, on third and fourth downs, and they are 20th in the nation on defense. Oklahoma State has kind of been under the radar because uh, Spencer Sanders was out at the beginning. They had some other guys um, out on defense and have kind of shuffled some offensive linemen around. But this is a really, really talented team who's really good on defense um, and is really good on third downs on both sides of the ball. And I think that they are going to be able to deny Texas on third downs. And Texas mostly makes its money with um, extending drives and then hoping Bijan Robinson breaks off a big play. Um, last week against, uh, or, or two weeks ago, rather, against Baylor, Oklahoma State held Baylor to 26.7% for a 15 on third downs. But on the season, Baylor is converting at a 42% clip. So I really think that um, on the defensive side of the ball, Oklahoma State is going to be a match for Texas. Specifically, if you look at the EPA per rush, they've given up a few big plays in the rush, but uh, they're they're, they're 58th overall. But on defense, they are 29th in success rate. So they're really stopping kind of those consistent plays. And a lot of that EPA has been, you know, breaking off big run. Now, granted, Bijan Robinson can absolutely break off a big run. Um, but uh, one thing that's going to be really interesting for me in this game is what does Oklahoma State's offensive uh, offense look like? Uh, 
like 6%, 9% of, of Spencer Sanders' attempts have been 20-plus yards down the field. They have no downfield threat, or they have at least shown no downfield threat. And so getting some of those receivers going will be really, really interesting. What's what's key there is Texas' defense, 85th in EPA per play, 110th against the rush, 52nd against the pass. It's very underwhelming. And so I think that Oklahoma State will have the right combination of um, offensive consistency and defensive kind of suffocation that they should be able to keep this game well within striking distance. Um, and you, you look at some of these like per play things and and strength on strength, Texas offense versus Oklahoma State defense, absolutely this uh, this week. And I, I do lean towards Oklahoma State's defense being better there. They're rushing a lot. I think they'll pass a lot more against Texas and kind of dare Texas to keep up with them. Uh, and, and, and they have some really, really good guys in the secondary there. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with Oklahoma state here, just on the back of their defensive strengths kind of match what Texas is trying to do on offense. Well, and so that's going to force Texas to adapt. I don't know if they'll be able to do it. I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, opponents only converting what 27% of their downs on that Jim Knowles defense. I, I mean, that's insane. That's awesome. They are doing a magnificent job this year. And as far as the offense goes, you give Mike Gundy an off week to to prep for this defense that, like you said, is underwhelming. I, I would I would tend to lean that direction as well. I, I wish I was getting more points here. Uh, Kyle, let me go ahead and, and get you in and get your thoughts on the Cowboys. That bye week is is big, and Texas coming off of such an emotional loss. I, I don't know how you can get yourself back up for this one, even in a game at home. Yeah, I mean, could you set this up any better situationally for Oklahoma State? You know, you have a bye week. Texas plays their biggest game of the year against Oklahoma, heartbreaking loss. Situationally, it couldn't possibly set up any better. And I do want to say, uh, which coaches rank at the top of the board when it comes to betting on them every single game since 2005? So first is Hugh Freeze. I don't think that's any huge surprise to any of us. Second, Mike Gundy. Um, this guy is a man after all. So um, <laughs> <laughs> Gundy. Gundy is 107 and 82 against the spread, 56.6% ATS since 2005. He's a moneymaker. You know, he's done tremendous. What about him as an underdog here? In the last five years, Mike Gundy, 14 and four against the spread as an underdog. His team has won outright 11 of those games. And the average cover margin in those games, 9.3 points per game. So they've been tremendous as an underdog. They're an underdog here. And Oklahoma's offense, Oklahoma State's offense is a cause for concern, certainly. But they want to run. They don't want to throw. Spencer Sanders is not a good passer. They want to run. Texas defense is really bad against the run, like Parker talked about there. Giving up 5.33 yards per carry. I think Oklahoma State's going to be better running the football here than what they've been in a lot of their games so far this year. Also, pretty important, Oklahoma State is number two ranked in the nation in special teams at PFF. And that good of a special teams play is going to seal you some wins, or at least covers. I think there'll be a close game here. Um, I think Texas, great rushing attack, obviously. But Oklahoma State's defensive front is very underrated by most people. Even with the injuries, they're giving up just 2.76 yards per carry on the year, 11th in the country. I think Oklahoma State has a real chance to win this game outright. Definitely will take them plus the points here. I like it. Yeah, Gundy's record as an underdog, uh, not to be trifled with. I will certainly say that. So let's make it an official play for both Parker and Kyle. And they are riding with the Cowboys and uh, the, the what is it? The Oklahoma rattlesnake, the Arkansas waterfall, the, <laughs> he doesn't have the mullet anymore, but 
still rolling with Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State plus five and a half on this one. We got three more. Let's go ahead and dive into the next one. Another 12 p.m. Eastern time game. Auburn heads to Fayetteville, Arkansas now a four and a half point favorite. It was just three and a half yesterday, but people like the Hogs right now. Total of 54 here. Last year, Auburn won this game 30 to 28. The refs basically just stole it away from Sam Pittman. I will say that right here, right now, just stole it from them Hogs. And uh, and it was a travesty and a disgrace. Uh, Auburn is uh, six and two against the spread, seven and one straight up in their last eight against Arkansas. Remember, this Arkansas team has not been very good uh, over the past however many years, but Pittman's got them rolling in the right direction. Arkansas five and one against the number this season, and they have lost five straight to Auburn, and they have been ugly, ugly until last year's game was considerably closer. Uh, it's the first game back in Fayetteville for Arkansas since week three. I mean, just a long time to be on the road. They had the neutral site game against A&M and then back-to-back road games against Georgia and Ole Miss. Uh, but that offense was humming last week. KJ Jefferson looks great. Uh, you know, in the last three games, Auburn 60 and 40 passing, 60% passing to 40% rushing. Just, just absurd. Kyle, let me get your thoughts on, on the hogs here. Uh, coming back home, this feels like one that they take personally. All of the quotes that are coming out this week, they they feel like they are fully zoned in on this game. Uh, is that kind of how you're feeling? Yeah, I was going to say exactly what you said. I mean, they were absolutely robbed of last year's game. I mean, it, it's hard for anybody that that isn't an Auburn fan to to say anything otherwise. Obviously, uh, you better believe Arkansas remembers that game. So, some people would say Arkansas coming off a, a wild game last week could be in a tough spot here. I don't think this is a tough spot for them based on how last year went. And, you know, I'm really intrigued by the fact that Auburn's been throwing it so much. That's what I was going to say as well. I would think they'd want to run tank Bigsby a lot here because Arkansas's weakness is the run defense. That worries me a bit because Auburn is fourth in the nation in yards per carry 6.04. PFF grades them as the ninth best rushing attack in the country. Arkansas is 94th in yards per carry allowed 4.48 and they're graded out as 85th in run defense at PFF. So even having said that Arkansas 18th in yards per play margin, Auburn 22nd so far this year, and Auburn is 60th in strength of schedule, and Arkansas is third. So Arkansas has played a much tougher schedule. If you look up up the line of the schedule that they played against, you can tell that's definitely the case. Arkansas hasn't had many easy games here this year. I think Pittman's bunch will be highly motivated for this game. Um, my numbers don't suggest a play here on Arkansas, but I lean toward Arkansas in this one. So I'm not going to bet this one, but I lean that way. Now, Kyle, you brought up the rushing numbers for Auburn and all that good stuff. I'm going to talk about them the same way that I talked about uh, Navy early in the season. And and same with Memphis, right? Those first three games, it, I'm not even worried about them. So for Auburn, the first two games, toss them out of here. That's not who they are. If you look on the season, Auburn is averaging 5.3 yards per rush. Over the last three games, 4.0. Now, yes, they played Georgia. And yes, they have played LSU and, and who have, but LSU is obviously uh, not, not a great team, but uh, you, you gotta, you gotta dive into them a little deeper and check out these, these last three weeks. That's kind of where I'm finding my, my, my stride with this is I don't think Auburn's a very good football team. I just don't think that they're very good at all. Parker, uh, hopefully you can back me up on this. 
I, if you take out those first two games, uh, Auburn really could be, what, two and four this year? I mean, they could be really bad because they probably should have lost to Georgia State or Georgia Southern, Georgia State, State whoever Georgia it was, State. State. There you go. Uh, they could probably should have lost that one. Probably should have lost LSU, maybe could have lost LSU. I mean, they were down by nine heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, it took some miraculous Bo Nix plays just for them to be able to win that game. Uh, without those two, I wonder what the line is on this game. I mean, it could be close to double digits. Uh, how, how do you feel about it? Are we still doing the bet against teams who just got their behinds kicked by Georgia thing? Because I think that rule applies here as well. Um, I, I didn't do that, it last week with uh, with Arkansas, right? Because I, I think yeah. Arkansas treated that game differently than, than Auburn did. Arkansas so definitely packed it up, whereas Auburn was still Auburn, – Auburn wanted to score again. Like, Auburn – really wanted to score again. Um, I, I don't think Auburn's very good. I think Auburn is is middling and maybe in a worse sense than they have been middling the last couple of years. 47 EPA per play, 59th in offense, 46th in defense. A couple of things stand out to me about this matchup. I, I, I don't have a play here because, um, again, Arkansas just had a really emotional game last week, and I love the call to go for two and the aggressiveness, and I think things are really clicking, but I, I, I really am worried about a couple things. So one thing that stands out, um, Auburn is the uh, uh, 84th worst team in points per quality possession, 3.83, whereas Arkansas's defense is 117th. So Arkansas is not letting people get opportunities a lot. They're allowing a 38.2 echo rate at 16th in the nation, but again, 117th at points per echo. So when they get that quality possession, teams are scoring on Arkansas. Um, and so I wonder if Auburn won't be able to make a little bit more happen in the red zone than they have been. Uh, although I will say Arkansas is 59th against the rush. When you consider um, what they, you know, they played Georgia and how some of that was garbage time that maybe shouldn't have, or uh, that, that didn't count as garbage time. Um, I think they're rushing a defense is a little bit better, even if they struggle worse than they do in the past. If you look at Bijan Robinson and what he did against Arkansas, he's averaging 6.3 yards per attempt. He averaged, what, 3.2 against Arkansas in that game. And so you could say something about the quarterback, but still Arkansas was able to line up and, and bully, uh, bully, absolutely bully a Texas team. And so I, I think that Arkansas should be able to combat that rush game and say Bonex is going to have to beat us. Again, issues with pressure that didn't get to Matt Corral a ton last week. Uh, and so kind of in, in terms of the offense for Auburn and the defense for Arkansas, I, I don't have a strong lean, but I have a lot of uh, uncertainty and a lot of interest here. On the offensive side of things for Arkansas, 106th in third and fourth downs, but 12th in early down EPA. Auburn is 70th in early down EPA. KJ Jefferson will be slinging the ball on early down. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch. I don't have a play here, but I'm, Arkansas is appointment viewing this year, and they have not disappointed. This line for me was actually Arkansas minus eight. I am going to take it. Let's go ahead and make it an official play. I'm riding with the Hogs at home. I think them coming back home after this three-game stretch is going to be refreshing seeing Auburn lined up against them on the other side as opposed to Georgia and Ole Miss and whoever, A&M. I think this is a welcome game. This is the game that they wanted for an entire year anyway because they were fired up about it last year. They are still fired up about it today. They've got a couple of these on the schedule, right? They had the A&M game, fared pretty well in that one, and now they've got the Auburn game. I fully expect them to win this by at least a touchdown. And if I'm being completely honest with everybody out there, I, I think they're going to win this by two touchdowns. I think Arkansas wants this game a whole lot. Uh, and I don't trust Auburn at all this season. So I am riding with the Hogs 
plus or sorry, minus four and a half here. We got two more. Let's go ahead and dive into them. This one's interesting. 12 p.m. Eastern time, Central Florida heading to Cincinnati and uh, uh, Cincinnati, a 21 point favorite at home, total of 57 and a half. Cincinnati won this 36 to 33 last year. This is uh, a, <laughs> this is um, um, a, a different game right now. Gus Malzahn is the new head coach at UCF, but they have lost their quarterback. Dylan Gabriel is out for an extended amount of time due to a uh, broken clavicle. So that's obviously going to, going to cause a big difference here And UCF has just not been very good with the new quarterback. I believe his name is Mikey Keene. Uh, they are, their win expectancy against ECU, even in a win, a 20 to 16 win last week was only 31%. Uh, if you look at college football data, uh, they are one and four against the spread this year. UCF is the line is 21. I've never ever would have imagined that we would see a three touchdown spread between these two teams. I, I don't, I don't even know where to go with it. Kyle, I want I want to start with you. This feels like a pretty easy cover for Cincinnati because as as well as they played against Temple last week, they had even more rest. They had an extra day to prepare for Central Florida, and and now you've got game film on a new quarterback who is not playing very well. I, I kind of expect Cincinnati to run away with this thing. How do you feel? Yeah, it's a significant downgrade from Dylan Gabriel to Mikey Keene. I mean, uh, you know, talking point values of quarterbacks. This is one that's probably close to a touchdown. You know, it's just a big, big uh, power ratings discrepancy from one guy to the next. UCF in those two conference games without Gabriel, 5.61 yards per play, um, 6.0 yards per pass attempt in those two games. So nothing downfield, only 326 and 359 yards against Navy and East Carolina. And look, you know, Navy and East Carolina aren't Cincinnati on defense. We know that. So if you're performing that way against those two, I don't think UCF can score very much here, at least not unless they're way behind and, and Cincinnati gives them something. But Cincinnati does kind of need style points. This is a big game for them. Um, UCF is kind of their rival um, at this point. They've had some pretty good games in the past. You know, um, special teams really stands out to me in this one, too. PFF grades Cincinnati 12th in special teams, UCF 127th. I know watching some of UCF's games, they have had some major problems on special teams. So, you know, I don't see UCF scoring many here. The question is Cincinnati. Um, Desmond Ritter has been better this year. Uh, 10.4 yard uh, average depth of target so far this year. So 10.4 ADOT, pretty good. 9.4 last year. They've been taking some chances. Last year, 3.2% turnover worthy plays. 2.4% 2.4% this year. So taking chances and yet still taking care of the football. I like that quite a bit. Big coaching edge here to Luke Fickle as well, right? You know, I, I don't necessarily want to bash anybody in particular, but, you know, I think Fickle's a pretty big um, advantage for Cincinnati in the coaching department here. Um, Cincinnati had a letdown spot last week and still crushed Temple. And now they're in the spot where you would think they would want to run this score up as much as they can. I hate laying 21 points, but there's no way I'm taking UCF in this game. So I lean towards Cincinnati minus 21 in this one. I tend to lean the same way. Desmond Ritter, the number 14 QBR in the country, uh, along with Cincinnati's defense, like you talked about, number three points per drive defense in the country. Uh, UCF is certainly up against it because this game is on ABC, National Network Television, the 11 a.m. Central game, 12 p.m. Eastern game. 
it's a name brand opponent. And Cincinnati understands they are up to number three, but they still need some style points. They need to demolish teams. Parker, uh, give me give me some thoughts here. Is there any way that UCF can hang in this game? Yeah, I just glanced at the chat and saw Bruce say, I like the Bearcats, but 21 question mark. And that's basically how I feel about this yes. game is I, I like Cincinnati here. Here's here's my one hot take about Cincinnati. Their two marquee wins against Indiana and Notre Dame come in seasons where Indiana and Notre Dame are both very uh, down relative to expectations. And that that's not to diminish it. I'm not trying to, you know, well, actually anybody. I'm just saying that that's true. Um, if I was going to paint a picture, so, so I'm not playing this game because 21's a lot. Give it a, that, that's fine. I'll, I'll leave that there. If I was going to paint a picture of how UCF was going to be able to keep this close and maybe win, UCF is actually the number one EPA per rush team in the nation. Cincinnati's defense is fourth, but still, they can move the ball. Um, toward their 23rd and percent of first downs on, on first and second down, whereas Cincinnati is 46th. And so they might be able to get a little bit of steam with rushing on early downs and avoid kind of those long situations where Cincinnati's ball hawks on defense can pick off their inexperienced quarterback. On the defensive side of things, uh, Cincinnati's offense is only 72nd in the pass. UCF's defense is 69th. Uh, they're 66th against the rush. Cincinnati is third against the rush. Um, and, 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 and so I really could see a situation where if, you know, UCF can kind of trap Cincy into passing early and trying to make them, you know, get, abandon the run, then they get in situations where on defense, UCF is 41st and third and fourth down success. Cincinnati is actually 77th. Granted, grand assault, Cincinnati doesn't get to third down very often. But if UCF can run well on offense and force third downs against Cincinnati, maybe this is like a letdown of a letdown spot where, look, we have Notre Dame in the rearview mirror. We've got nothing in the next couple of weeks on the schedule for Cincinnati, right? It's it's pretty chill in the AAC. And so uh, I, I don't have any any dreams that that'll happen, but UCF is 20th in rushing success rate, 45.9. That's nothing to sneeze at. And so maybe they can get a little bit of a consistent rush against this defense who might be overlooking them, but I don't think that's the case. I lean Cincinnati, 21's a lot of points. I, I, I tend to agree with you. That's the, the weird part about trying to handicap college football. You are trying to figure out motivation for 18 to 22 year olds are they going to overlook Cincinnati or uh, overlook UCF you know what are what are they thinking heading into this week we assume because it's a big national network game that they're going to be fired up especially for a name brand opponent but they've also seen how bad UCF is and it could be a situation much like the Alabama Texas A&M game last week where you you haven't seen A&M show up very much and you kind of expect to walk in you're favored by three touchdowns uh, you never know. I mean, because there is talent on that UCF team. So I, I guess, Parker, maybe what you're telling me is if UCF can find a way to muddy this thing up, then then maybe they can hang around. Gus, Gus Malzahn wants to fight Cincinnati in the mud. Absolutely. That that tends to make sense. All right, so we, none of us have an official play on this game, but we would like for you guys to toss your picks in the comments. We want to know which way you are leaning on this game. I would assume since this thing opened at 19 and a half, it's bumped all the way up to 21. Uh, I think it will continue to grow as we get closer to Saturday, but you never know with these things. I want to see what you guys have to say about that. We got one more game that we're going to discuss, uh, and I don't expect a whole lot of people to be super interested in it. But with that, um, Rutgers heading to Northwestern, Northwestern, a two-point underdog at home, total of 44-and-a-half. There's only been one meeting between the two schools. 2018, Northwestern won this game 
18 to 15. Uh, the line in that game, by the way, was at Northwestern minus 20 and a half, and they only won by a field goal. Uh, Northwestern is coming off of a bye week. Rutgers 5 and 0 against the spread, their last six at home. Sorry, last five at home. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Um, and Northwestern 6-2 uh, and two against the spread, their last eight at home. Uh, Rutgers just got beat up in the last three weeks by Michigan State, Ohio State, and at Michigan. This is going to be a bit of a relaxing spot for Rutgers. You just hope that they don't relax too much if you are a Rutgers fan. I'm looking at the strength of schedule here. Rutgers number 20 strength of schedule. Northwestern number 86 uh, strength of schedule. This feels like the line kind of stunk to me at first because it opened up as a pick em. It's all the way out to Rutgers minus two at this point. My line on this was minus six. Parker, I'm going to jump to you first here. The Scarlet Knights are not a great football team, but they are insanely well coached, and I trust their front seven on defense. Give me, uh, give me your thoughts here on the Wildcats and the Scarlet Knights. I like that about the front seven on defense. Uh, I have them at 49th in EPA per rush and 30th in rushing success rate on defense. So I do think they'll be able to match up well with the kind of uh, man ball that Northwestern wants to play. My line right here does float just a little bit about around two, um, actually on the inside of two, because, you know, I'm doing decimals and all that. And so I'm, I'm staying away from it here just because it's hard to know what Rutgers is after they did get beat up by teams they should have gotten beat up by. Um, the last couple weeks, they look decent against Michigan, and and maybe that's encouraging here. One thing to note, Rutgers has been very fortunate with field position on offense. They are fifth in the nation starting drives on average at their own 34, and Northwestern has been very good about not allowing uh, good field position, 40th, holding opponents to just the 27.2. That's that Pat Fitzgerald coaching that we'd come to expect. Um, and the flip side of that, on defense, Rutgers is holding teams uh, they're 24th in field position. Northwestern is 38. So I expect a lot of like uh, no nonsense here just because both teams are, like you said, so well coached. Um, it's really hard to know what Northwestern is going to be at home. I would slightly, slightly lean towards Rutgers uh, just because I do like what they're able to do on third downs uh, on defense. They're sixth. And so I don't think Northwestern is going to have a lot of leeway to kind of play their three yards in a cloud of dust that they want. Uh, but I, I don't know what the physical toll of Rutgers and maybe even mental toll of Rutgers last couple of weeks is going to do to uh, against the Pat Fitzgerald coach team. I I can totally understand that. Uh, Kyle, I want to bring you in here. I, this feels a whole lot like Rutgers going to Syracuse and everybody thought Syracuse would cover that one at home. Rutgers ended up winning 17 to seven and, and it was just an ugly, ugly ball game, but the creativity on offense between Sean Gleason and in Greg Schiano and the stuff that they run with the trick plays and all the different crazy stuff that teams just almost cannot prepare for. Uh, I kind of feel like that's the edge for Rutgers in this game. How do you feel about it? I can't bet Northwestern. Northwestern's defense has been so atrocious. I did not expect to say this about a Pat Fitzgerald coach team. Um, in their two Big Ten games so far this year, 8.37 yards per carry allowed. Uh, Michigan State and Nebraska, I will at least give them that those are two pretty good rushing teams, but 8.4 yards per carry is just ridiculous. Um, I can't bet on a team like that. And really, it's stunning to me that Fitzgerald's team has been that poor against the run. I imagine that has been something that has upset him a lot here of late, certainly as well. You know, I think Holinsky probably makes the Northwestern offense better. I did want to say winds of about 20 miles per hour for this game. 
we've seen somebody come betting the under really heavily. Somebody's betting the under like it's free money in this one. I'd be concerned to bet under 44 and a half with Northwestern not being able to stop anybody on the ground. Uh, makes sense with the uh, wind, but you know Rutgers might not have to throw the ball here to move the ball on Northwestern. You know, success rate on rushing plays allowed. Rutgers is 31st. Um, defensively, Northwestern is 102nd. Northwestern has played a really weak schedule, and still their numbers look this bad. I'm not anxious to lay points with Rutgers, so I can't get excited about a game like this. Um, and, I, you know, Gary alluded to this might not be the game that's, you know, everybody's going to be talking about this weekend. But fading Northwestern sounds like something I don't mind doing the way they're looking here of late. So I lean toward Rutgers as well. That is the way that I'm going to go. I'm going to make it an official play. Uh, I am riding Rutgers minus two, especially under a field goal here. I, I feel like they are the significantly better team in this spot. So I'm going to take the Scarlet Knights minus two because my line is six. And and as I'm looking at these two teams, one has had to go up against way tougher competition, uh, at least per the strength of schedule. And they have fared significantly better. Uh, this feels like Rutgers going to Syracuse, like I said. And it's an ugly game, and it just is what it is. But there can be a play or two here that can change the entire game. And I can get a Rutgers win by a touchdown. That would make perfect sense to me. I don't think either team is great. But I do think Rutgers is a little bit better this year. Hey, uh, just curious, Parker, Jim O'Neill, the defensive coordinator for North, uh, Northwestern, has not fared very well in his first season. Could this, like, could this tr buck all the trends with Northwestern? Could they possibly let this guy go after just one season, or do you think that they'll try and ride it out and, and get some things fixed? I think that. Probably not because one, I think Pat Fitzgerald is a little bit more of a loyalty guy. Like he's kind of the old school um, college football guy. Two, they, they knew this year was going to be disappointing. Again, I I, I feel like I can say that to him blue in the face. Face Pat Fitzgerald knows he's not competing every year. He's trying to amp up to compete every three or four years, and so they they knew. There's a couple variables. I I I would be surprised if they did. It's I, not going I well. I agree with you, but I I don't I don't think they will. I tend to agree. Uh, so with that said, we're going to move into the Q&A, and we do have uh, plenty of questions to choose from here. Uh, James Lill jumped in. Uh, let's see. He's got a couple that are going to be uh, discussed tomorrow, or at least on tomorrow's Q&A. Boise State Air Force, I believe, is a uh, later game on Saturday. Uh, he did ask about Tulsa and USF. He said, can Tulsa cover 10 versus South Florida? Uh, the current line on that is actually Tulsa minus 8.5, and, and it is in Tampa Kyle, let me let me get your thoughts here on the Hurricanes and uh, and the Bulls. I I don't think that Tulsa has played really well as of late, which I think is why this line is under ten points. I I would lean Tulsa, but I don't trust it. So there's no way I'm making a play on this. How do you feel? Yeah, I can't bet the side on this game. I, I have no strong opinion here. Um, lean to the over in this game. You would Tulsa plays pretty quickly. South Florida really weak on defense. So if I had to bet this game, I'd bet the over. But sorry, I really have nothing to give you on the side here. Let's see. Uh, Dominic Marrow asked about Arizona at Colorado. I think that's a later game. So we can we can try and hit that one tomorrow. Uh, Fresno State, Wyoming. That's a later game tomorrow as well. Uh, Michigan State at Indiana. Michigan State, I believe, a four and a half point favorite currently. Parker, uh, let me go in and get you to dive in on some Big Ten ball. Michigan. Oh, sorry. It's five. It's all the way up to five now. Is this 
kind of a spot, you know, Indiana coming off of a bye week. I believe that their backup quarterback is going to be playing in this game. This, this one scares me for the Spartans, but I've been scared off the Spartans for about three weeks now because it felt like it was too good to be true, but they are playing some really, really good football right now. Parker, tell, tell me your thoughts on the Spartans and the Hoosiers. I have Michigan State as uh, 21st in uh, EPA per play margin, 15th on offense. This offense is really fun. They're running a lot of pistol, some really modern concepts, which is a lot of fun to see. They're 12th in EPA per pass, whereas Indiana is 80th. I think that the um, the wind has really gone out of Indiana here, and so I could see a lot happening. Um, uh, another thing that'll be really interesting to see. Indiana is 127th in points for quality possession. Michigan State is ninth. Uh, that's Indiana's offense, Michigan State's defense. And so I, I don't think this matchup is good for Indiana. Again, um, I don't know. Five, five is five is a lot. Michigan State's been playing some close games. My model has this uh, pretty pretty big, but I'm I'm staying away just because again, for whatever reason, I don't love Michigan State in this spot. Um, and, and so I could certainly believe and and uh, encourage someone to uh, take Michigan State here. I wouldn't put any money on Indiana, but I, I don't have a play. And that I'm kind of the same way here. Uh, that was Steven's question. Uh, we're going to do one more question before we do our recap and whatnot. Uh, Go Vikes said Texas A&M only minus nine against Missouri. He said Tennessee killed Missouri. Like how, how does that make sense? I'm, I'm curious, both of you guys' opinion on this uh, to see what you think, because that A&M that we saw on Saturday night is not an A&M that we have seen all season long. Kyle, I want to start with you. Uh, A&M, you know, less than 10 on the road against a team that can't stop the pass, can't really stop anything on defense. Uh, give me your thoughts here. Man, the chat has given us some hard ones here today. I have to say <laughs> this one. I, I knew this one was coming, Gary. I was kind of nervous about this one. I, my number says I should take Texas A&M in this game, but you know, it's clearly not a great spot for them coming off that huge win. And Calzada, I mean, that's not what he's usually been. Uh, you know, do we actually think he's turned into a good quarterback? I want to see it. Having said that, do they even have to throw here against Missouri? Because Missouri's been just so bad against the run. I couldn't bet Missouri here. You know, I've I've just seen it too many times. I took Missouri that one time and, it, and instantly regretted it. I'm not taking Missouri here. Um, I, I lean toward Texas A&M, but I don't like the spot. Uh, Missouri, I believe, 0-9 against the spread in their last nine games, so that's definitely not good. Parker, uh, Zach Calzada turned into Steven Garcia last week, and and obviously, as an Alabama fan, that drove me insane. But we have seen this before, where guys just have the games of their lives, and then you do not see it again. I don't know that he has to be perfect in this game for them to be able to cover nine points, but, you know... it. it what do you feel is the reason for this line only being uh, less than 10? I I hate being this guy. Texas A&M beat Alabama last week, and they get all the credit in the world for getting up in that game. If you look at the second half versus the first half, there were basically two drives where Calzada contributed, and A&M's offense largely was shut down. They came out hot early. They got a lead. Uh, they got a couple um, defensive turnovers and some short fields and took advantage. Uh, but really, the key for me was the defense against Alabama. I think Calzada was just fine, and they took advantage of the circumstances that their defense gave them. Um, a a Alabama was inside the Texas A&M 
20, first, in, first down inside the 20, six times. Gary, 23 total points. Texas A&M yeah. defense just bowed up and just absolutely shut them down. So, um, I, of course, there's the emotional factor. I, I don't have this. I have A&M winning this in my line. I don't trust Missouri to be able to move the ball against Texas A&M's defense. I don't expect Texas A&M to repeat their performance on offense. So a little bit of a letdown spot here as well. I think A&M gets the win, but I think it'll be decisively uh, not exciting. And so I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick a side here. I tend to agree with you. Tend to agree. Uh, let's see. Leroy jumped in with BYU and Boston College. Uh, BYU is actually playing Baylor, um, so I'm not sure what that's. About. But uh, either way, we will probably try and uh, try and hit on that in the Q and A tomorrow. Uh, BYU Baylor. I will actually write it down as we speak. Let's go ahead and jump into the recap. So this is our picks for today. Reminder, of course, the Thursday show at 12 p.m. Eastern time will be going over the late slate. Let's let's see. Let's dive in, Parker. He is taking South Alabama minus three. He's got Marshall minus 11 at North Texas on Friday. He's got San Diego State minus nine and a half at San Jose State on Friday. And he's got Oklahoma State plus five and a half at Texas uh, early Saturday. I, Gary, am taking Navy plus 10 and a half at Memphis on Thursday night. I've got Syracuse plus 14 at home against Clemson. I've got Arkansas minus four and a half at home against Auburn. And I'm taking Rutgers minus two on the road at Northwestern. Kyle is taking Navy along with me plus 10 and a half against Memphis. And he's also got the Cowboys, Oklahoma state plus five and a half against Texas. I, I feel good about these early slate picks thus far. So, Let's go ahead and remind everybody, make sure that you are subscribed to the channel, hit that notification bell, comment with your picks, of course, and make sure and share out the show. We want you to comment. We want you to share it. We want you to like the video uh, as it sits. We've got 73 people watching right now and only 38 likes. That math don't add up, fellas, and we look at numbers all day. So hit that like button for us. We would certainly appreciate it. It helps us out quite a bit. And uh, like I said, Make sure and subscribe to the channel. We are doing fantastically thus far. We are still growing. We are brand new. Just started this channel this year. So hopefully you will stick around with us. Reminder again, Wednesdays, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Thursdays, 12 p.m. Eastern time. We knock out the games with the most value on the board. Hopefully you will all join us. Here's another reminder. Make sure that you have signed up at BetUS. That is where the game begins, betus.com. There is a link in the description, but you can use the promo code NCAAF2021. It's going to get you a 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500, and it is sportsbook exclusive. So it's not for the casino. It is all the football gambling money all in your account right there. So make sure that you sign up with that promo code. Gentlemen, I feel good about today. I feel even better about tomorrow. We got some fantastic games on slate Hopefully, everybody will join us. And with that, we are going to get out of here. Thank you to everybody that jumped in the chat, everybody that watched the show. Uh, Steven, Go Vikes, Secret Machines, Gene, Lomar, everybody else. You guys are fantastic. Hopefully, you'll join us again tomorrow for BetUS, where the game begins. We'll see you all again on Thursday.